0: We are going to continue on. Thank you very much for your attendance. There's <laughs> um, probably always a question as to whether or not when we get to Memorial Day weekend, whether or not we have Bible study, but uh, we had such a good time last time with our vicar and uh, thought that we should continue on. Um, next Sunday, uh, this hour, will be devoted to the presentation of, uh, for the uh, voters' meeting. And so it's kind of grinding to a halt. Um, That, after next Sunday, uh, on the 9th of uh, June, uh, Solveig and I are going to be departing for Germany. Um, We are going to be over in Germany with a couple of different uh, heritage tours, uh, but basically they're all in confluence with one another. Uh, We are going to, the, the main tour, the central tour, is a a group of 24 pastors, or 23, including our vicar. And they're going to be singing in different locations throughout uh, Germany, actually in Europe as a whole. Um, They're going to start off, um, they're actually starting at Concordia College, Concordia University up in Chicago. And that's where they have been gathering for practice. And then from Chicago, the group will fly to Frankfurt, and we have a seminary, uh, a, a Selk seminary. Selk is the, uh, this, the uh, independent Lutheran church over in Germany. Um, that church that we are in fellowship with has a seminary, actually originally purchased actually by the Missouri Synod for them, uh, in a town called Oberursel, which is kind of up in the hills outside of Frankfurt. So the group is going to first go there. They're going to practice for another day, try to get over their jet lag. They're going to do a concert then at the church there in Oberursel for our self-congregation. And then the, the day following, they're going to head north and they're going to go to a city called Einbeck. Some of our group have been uh, to Einbeck before. Um, it is um, uh, one of the reasons for us going there, um, in part, is because they received a grant from a co- corporation called KWS. In this country, is called Egg Reliant. Um Craig Anderson is uh, the um, he's the chief operating officer of Ag Reliant here in Indiana for the United States. And um, but it it also is it was very coincidental somewhat, I guess you might say. When I first called on the Andersons, uh, he told me that he worked for a corporation in Germany, and I said, Well, where? And he said, Well, you haven't heard of it. It's a little town up in Germany called Einbeck, and I said, well, that's where all my ancestors came from so it turns out that this is the same town that my ancestors came from but it had even more significance than than me coming from them <laughs> it was um it's actually the home of a guy named Henry Heinrich or Heinrich and Henry Melchior Muhlenberg and Muhlenberg is well known as the father of Lutheranism in America um he uh this Muhlenberg was brought up at a time when pietism started to become a vital force, a very, uh, almost sometimes perceived as a dangerous force in Germany. Um, there was an institution in a city called Halle, which is actually another place that the choir is going to be singing, um, and in Halle they had a university, uh, and, and, and what was behind the Pietistic movement. We use that word sometimes derogatorily, but it was actually intended to ta- to bring to the faith something that was more personal, more warm, more true, more experiential. Not to have a faith that was just kind of dogmatically. Um, how would you say where where religion becomes just nothing but an outward shell? That they wanted to have an inward heart. And Muhlenberg kind of came under that spirit and then from Halle, uh, this uh, leader of the institution by the name of Franke or Franke, sent him to the United States and he received a call to some of these German congregations in the area of Philadelphia. And and when he came to the United States, um, much of his time in the United States was actually during that time of the Revolutionary War. And being a German, he was, un- he was a subject of the King of England who was a German, actually, King George. And the British were at war with the United States, went to, w- went to war with the United States. And Muhlenberg was torn because even his own son became a major general in the American Army. And uh, his sons became pastors as well, and, um, and they were serving people that wanted to revolt. And Yet at the same time, he was, uh, what do we as Lutherans believe, that we're supposed to be subject to our governments. And England, or New England, was under the rule of the British. And so um, there was that tension. But he basically helped to form the structure of Lutheranism in our country uh, through constitutions and through doctrinal standards and through his emphasis upon the training of clergy. And so, in a sense, because of who he was, as bringing that Lutheranism to this country we're going to be singing in celebration at the Münster Cathedral in Einbeck. Then the group is going to go from there, they're going to go down to the Lutherlands, to the Wartburg and such, and then they're going to go to this place called Halle, which is one of the reasons why it's so significant is that they're actually going to be singing in the same church, the castle church, that belonged to Albrecht of Mainz, Albrecht of, of, uh, of um, Magdeburg, who was the archbishop, the archbishop, the cardinal, who was responsible for initiating the sale of indulgences. And that started the Reformation. So yeah, that's a, they're going to be walking all over his grave <laughs> and, and stomping on it. And then from Halle, they go to Wittenberg, and they, are going, they have the entire evening in Wittenberg, very unusual thing. Most groups that come in just get 30 minutes and they run them through like, like a conveyor belt system. They're coming in, they're gonna do an entire concert in the castle church in, in Wittenberg. There at the, at the base of the pulpit is the grave of Martin Luther, and we're not going to be stepping on that grave. Um, then from there, they're going to go to Dresden, and overnight in Dresden and hopefully in the morning have a, uh, a chapel service at this dry Kite Lutheran Church, the Trinity Lutheran Church there. And th- it, was that it was there in Dresden that the original group that fo- came to form the Missouri Synod, the core group that I- immigrated to this country, to Missouri, um, that group came out of Dresden. And so they'll be there. And then the following day they'll go down to uh, Prague and they will sing at The oldest Lutheran church in Prague, St. Michael's, which is also now a church that is, um, I don't know if they're in fellowship with us or whether or not it's actually a Missouri Synod church that's in Prague, but they're going to be singing in a church that I think was 14th century church. And then from there, they're going to be ending their trip in Munich. So our vicar is going to be gone. So his words today are not his final words, we're going to let him preach also Uh, when we get back in July, Uh, but um, he's, uh, and our photographer on the trip is going to be Chris Colson. He's going to be our our man on the scenes. He's going to be making us all look like we're movie stars, you know, (laughs) we're just walking around and, okay, well, so, what time is it? I'm now, I'm all messed up now. It's summertime and I don't have my normal thinking hat on. We go from 9 to 10, 10 to 11. So we'll go till 12.30. Okay? (laughs) Everybody okay with that? We're we're serving dinner afterwards. Okay, um, I think we're going to pick this up. Where had we ended, by the way? Do you know, those of you who took notes, um, anybody tell me where our last Bible verse Okay, well, Nimona is always right. And even when she's not, she's right. 2 yeah. Corinthians. See, this is 1 Corinthians. The unity of the body. 2 Corinthians 12, right? we taken that one. How about we start with Galatians? Did you have Galatians or did I? You, you don't remember. Okay, you don't have your notes with you. No. All right. Well, let's, um, let's read it together, okay? Brothers and sisters... If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Are we a walk out together? Can you read it? But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay, the family of faith. Now, we say, how may we serve? And this is one of the most difficult things of all, because... There is always somebody, maybe in our congregation, somebody that we know, who has a problem. You know, the drinking problem? You know, the, well, cursing problem? Maybe somebody who is, we say, caught in a sin. It usually means that somehow their conscience has gotten hold of them and they're unable to break it. Perhaps the most telling thing that you sometimes see is when the guy gets caught in adultery. We have seen that so often. I, uh, I've told my story sometimes to the, my confirmation, adult confirmation class, also to my junior confirmation classes. President of my congregation in Utah, all of a sudden, I mean, the guy was active, big. I mean, he had kids that actually even went into the ministry, went to synodical schools and the whole bit. All of a sudden, uh, uh, church service, uh, I'd get up to start my sermon, and I'd say, you know, the text is, and he would go like this. He'd close his eyes. And all the way through my whole sermon, and then at the end of my sermon, he'd open his eyes up. And I thought, boy, he can sleep on a cue. I mean, he, he just, <laughs> the guy seems to be able to know exactly when to sleep. And And on top of it, you know, Why would he be sleeping? You know, this is just totally unusual. This goes on for about, I don't know, three or four months, something like that. And then one day his daughter comes down to my office and she says, my dad is having an affair with his secretary. He had four children at home, two of them adopted. And all of a sudden the guy's grown his hair out and, you know, and and so I called him up and I said, we're going to have to talk about this. And he said, You know, you're the worst pastor in the whole world. I cannot believe what an arrogant man you are. And, and I'm going, Whoa, where did this come from? You know. Then he said, Transfer my membership down to that American Lutheran church next door. I said, We're not transferring your membership. We're putting you under church discipline. The guy's... Oh. I said... We're going to have to do that. And so what we did was we excommunicated him, but with the idea of what? of Trying to be able to bring him to repentance. Well, it was was about um, three years later that the next time I saw him was at the funeral of his granddaughter. His daughter had given birth, and they had a little baby named, I can still remember her name. Her name was April. And she was a SIDS child. Uh, she had uh, actually um, died of some sudden infant death syndrome thing. And uh, I, can st- I, I actually held her body in, in the hospital. It was still warm. So we did a funeral, and it looked to me like like he was being sifted like wheat. You know, he was just being chopped up on the inside. We moved away. We moved to Connecticut. And I got a telephone call from a pastor down in, um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he said, um, I have a man here who would like to have you uh, release him from this ban. He said, he has repented and gone back to his family. And he has asked for God's forgiveness. And he wants you to forgive him. And I said, by all means. I'm not his pastor anymore. I'm not the pastor of that congregation anymore, but yeah. And by the grace of God, he went back to his family, and he repented, and she forgave him, his wife forgave him, and he went back again. So before it gets to that point, we have to, on a certain level, also be stewards of our neighbor, where are we where we exhort and encourage, and we try to be able to steer that person, perhaps in the kindest, gentlest way, away from something that's going to catch them. And when they're caught, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. We had a while back a young lady who showed up here in church. She was the preschool director of a congregation in the southern part of the Indiana district. And uh, she was extremely distraught because she was having an affair with the pastor. And the pastor had been an old friend of mine out in Connecticut, and I called him up and I said, "What? I mean, this is a guy who was just God's word, God's word, God's word. Everything was just so solid. He became just crazy. He just lost his mind. How do you, how do you stop that from happening? Well." when you see it happening, when you see it beginning, when you see it moving, what we do is we try to be able to help, try to intercede, but then we have to be careful because when those kinds of things happen, sometimes, we've noticed this too, that sometimes when people start getting into that, they sometimes want to drag other people into it as well. And the Apostle Paul says, it's our vocation, it's our job, Not in this judgmental kind of condemnatory sense but rather out of kindness he says watch yourselves or you also may be tempted then he says carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ what causes people to get into these situations usually something heavy on their heart something's missing sometimes it could just simply be that people don't feel loved. Sometimes it can be that somebody is going through a tough time in their life, in their job. They lose their job, maybe get uh, fired or something like that. You, how do you help carry the burdens of somebody else? Sometimes we've got so many ourselves that we don't know what, how we could take on anymore. But then he says in verse 4, each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves. See, the danger is we're so much more together. And so when we look at that person with those problems, oh, you have so many problems. That's not what it is that this text is talking about. If everybody doesn't say, what was it that Spurgeon once said? Remember that that. Famous preacher Spurgeon. He said he was walking down, down the street, and all these people, he was a very famous guy, you know. So, all these people were, there was a drunk who was lying there in the gutter, and they kind of blocked him, his, his body with their body to try to, you know, make him think that maybe their community was a better community. He stopped and he said, But for the grace of God, there go I. But for the grace of God. Every one of us is equally sinful. Every one of us would be that person under a different set of circumstances. So never, ever, ever put ourselves in a position where we think, we don't have that problem. Don't you just love it when you, when you talk to your friends, you know, you're at work and you go, you know... I just, I just cannot believe it. I've been struggling with this. And they look at you and they say, yeah, I don't have that problem. <laughs> That's not very helpful. Yeah. Okay. So, now he goes on to say, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. It's a, a text that requires a little bit more time and explanation. Whoever sows to please their flesh flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Um, the, um, we were at the Silverberg's, uh, Linda Silverberg's father's funeral this last week. He was a very, very righteous man. And... Um, But at one point, uh, this retired pastor got up who had known him for many, many years. You know, uh, Linda Silverberg's father was 95 years old and he was an ophthalmologist. Yeah, still working. Still working. Holy cow, 95 and still working. Woof. Anyway, the Methodist minister got up and said, that they, had dis- that they were realizing that the young people in the town there, Lebanon, way back years back, ago, uh, were kind of, I guess you might say, they didn't have anything to do on the weekends. And so the Methodists had an old church, and they decided to turn the basement into a place where they could have a dance every Saturday night. Now he said, and then all the Methodists chuckled, you know how it is that dancing used to be viewed in the old days and how many people had a hard time being able to accept the idea. Well, even in the Missouri Synod, right? I mean, uh, in the early days, maybe the Wisconsin Senate too, they thought that dancing was wrong and bad, right? Because when you dance, you kind of wiggle and you touch and you do all kinds of things that they thought were going to be bad things and people who went to dances drank and they did those kinds of things and they they didn't do the good kinds of things that you should be doing and a lot of times people today think well how stubborn and you know narrow minded they were they were worried that this was a sowing to the flesh a sowing to the flesh and without the right kind of maybe understanding and supervision sometimes that's exactly what it is that it became So, uh, sowing to the flesh certainly does mean that what you're doing is you're going after the pleasures of this world in the most negative way. And our job as Christians, in verse 9, I think here's the tough one, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And you say, yeah, you know, it's a lot of work doing good, isn't it? It's a lot of work uh, carrying that meal over to the people in our neighbors next door who have just lost their mother or father it's a lot of work being here every single Sunday it's a lot of work being a person who is do- doing their devotions it's a lot of work and sometimes it's thankless work how many of you have felt at times that what you have done in the church is not very well thanked or appreciated. (laughs) Yeah. That happens, doesn't it? And to be able to just continue on, to do so, do so, do so, do so, and then all of a sudden we come to realize that, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that in the end gives us the reward, and that's that's um, that's a part of our vocation, too. In verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And this is a one that's always been kind of a, who do you socialize with, who are your friends? Um, you know, when we come together here, we love each other. We like to see each other and we drink uh, coffee together and we eat donuts. I didn't say, there was a pause in that word drink and I just stopped. (laughs) We, We do that too sometimes when we have those at bratwurst and beer. But especially to the household of faith. And sometimes we can treat our secular friends and people that we maybe have known or maybe are in a neighborhood, maybe they come first sometimes. And this is something that says, do good to everybody, but especially, especially to the people who are a part of the household of faith. So, huh, well, welcome. Good to have you here. Sorry, we, um, we attend ha- we, 45 ordinarily would be our worship service. Um, But, um, yeah, we've changed times. All right, Vicar, you want (laughs) to. You got five minutes, Vicar. I'm sorry about that. um, Okay, Ephesians 4. You want to take that?
1: How about we we read this together? Um, As a prisoner for the Lord, Lord, then then I urge you to live live a life life worthy worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient. When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, I like how that ends, as each part does its work. Um, and I think for, for those of us in the church, perhaps maybe uh, in order to give this the, the quickest sort of context we can, um, our work, you know, if, if you are paying attention to the sermon I gave today, really is in being witnesses to Christ. Um, and th- this witness entails carrying the teaching that he gave to his apostles forward. Um, so every aspect of our service to each other and to the world then is bearing this teaching in our lives. You know, in our vocations, and in our worship, uh, in all things. Um, because there is deceit in this world. There is falsehood. There is Uh, teaching concerning God and salvation that's not true. Uh, So what we are about as Christ's body is holding to the true teaching, supporting that in any facet that we can. You know, God gives apostles, prophets, teachers, etc. And all of these vocations then serve to bring forth and preserve that teaching concerning the cross. Um, And and really, the the truest service we can give to our fellow man is to be witnesses to that truth. You know, to, to support it in our lives, um, to live by it, um, to cling to it even when we struggle with sin. Um, you know, even in our moments of temptation and weakness, you know, when we turn to God's cross, you know, to the forgiveness he gave to us by his body and blood for, for help, you know, for support, for strength. That's actually building up others in the faith by the witness we're bearing to our own weakness and our need for a savior. Um, so he'll say, you know, you know, he, who is the one who ascended except he who descended to the very you know, earth? Well, you know, the, the whole point to Christ's glory is that he did descend, that he did become the servant of all people. So, so the greatest servant is Christ, and then by his service, we too become servants to, to him and to each other. And this service is all about being witnesses to his truth uh, and to the glory of the cross, really. Um, speaking the truth in love is a tough thing to do in this world. Uh, I've had a few conversations in my short years with people who really don't understand the cross, uh, they, they, don't, they don't get it, they don't want it, they don't need it. They have no room in their conscience or mind for forgiveness of sins. Um, several of them were actually uh, Jewish uh, students that attended high school with me. Um, I had one young man um, who is bald of all things now. That, that's, that's poetic justice. Uh, but uh, No offense, Pastor, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, he would actually parade around the high school uh, and make up songs derating my character, because at the lunch table, I would dare to talk about Jesus. I would dare to invoke conversation about Christ at the lunch table in high, in, in high school. And as a Jew, he couldn't appreciate any of it. And so rather than responding with intellect or, or debate, he would just make up songs and sing them in the hallways of the high school that would derate my character. Um, and, and so um, this, is, this is really what we face as Christians in this world. We face a world that doesn't want the truth, doesn't believe it, doesn't know it. But we do because it's been given to us by God and his Holy Spirit. And, and, and the teaching and the doctrine has been passed to us through all these uh, centuries. And so our service to, to others and really you know, within the church itself is to live by that and, and to bear witness to it. That's all I'm going to say on that, uh, in that regard. But anyhow. oh keep keep talking by all means um, well my my hope is since this is you know this is kind of the last uh last Sunday that I'll really be you know um you know you know here before uh you know bible studies kind of come to a conclusion i don't know maybe- maybe I'll be involved in july second but I'll say this as a, as a vicar, you know one of the things you learn as a vicar um are the limitations you have uh as a human being um and in Knowing these limitations going forward into the ministry, uh, both presents a challenge and a joy to you at the same time in, in being of service to the Lord. Because I can't do everything, you know. I can't save the world from its sins. I can't be Superman. I'd Love to be. I'd love to fly over everybody's problems and just you know, gone. Um, but you really learn to rely heavily upon Christ, and you understand in a deep sense how involved Jesus is in your life, in all of our lives, uh, in keeping us free of the terror of our conscience. Because inside, we are our own worst enemies. We, we, we are our own greatest sinner. Uh, and it's that terror of sin, you know, by the blessing of having a conscience that we have to face and struggle with in this life. Um, and, and by the grace of God, we are washed clean of the guilt of our sin uh, and can actually stand upright and be of service to him. And it gets, it gets difficult. And there, there, there's moments where it's not easy. You know, you've got you know, friends or people that you care about who don't believe, don't want to hear about Jesus. Just keep them out of the conversation. Let's carry on our own merry social way. Um, But at your heart, you know the truth. And you want to live that truth. You know, and and, and you find yourself in Paul's position, you know, uh, not being able to do the things you want to do because you're being held back. And so my, my encouragement to all of you is that by God's grace, you will find moments in your life where you struggle to be the witness he's called you to be. But no, it's him who's doing the witness. And his, per, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so I give you all uh, the blessing in knowing that and moving forward with your lives.
0: Formation Choir. Um, you see our, our vicar. We, for the sake of the picture, uh, we put a stole on him but he's not quite qualified to wear one yet. Um, he's back in the far right corner over there. You see him on uh, the third row back? But, um, yeah, all of our, all of our pastors, um, thanks to C.M. Almy, which is the uh, supply store for clergy apparel, C.M. Almy donated all of the albs and all of the stools to the choir. So we were re- re- very pleased with that. And that has become, that stole has now become their official Reformation 500 uh, Lutheran stole. And it's now being sold all over the world as well. So it was kind of a good thing. All righty. Well, almost off to the races here. Um, Let's close with a, a, a word of prayer, okay? Lord, we pray that you would take the gifts that we have as different as they might be, and help us to become servants of one another and to this great task that you have given unto us to be your church within this world. Where we have fallen short, we pray for your forgiveness. Where we are encountering things that go beyond our abilities or our time or our wealth, we pray that you would enable us to be able to do those things which, well, as you fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread, we pray that you would use our gifts and our talents in service to your church in a way that would be far greater and always would end to your greater glory. This we pray now as we pray for this week and for this holiday season as we give thanks for those who have gone before us, for those who have served our country, for all who have died in the faith and who now live in your presence. We pray that we might think transcendently and realize that this coming glory is also one that waits us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.